Lesson learned, folks. You can break your kid's arm, but sure as fuck don't smoke that good Pineapple Express while watching The Big Lebowski for the hundredth time. You're in the doghouse. Welcome back in, everybody. This is episode two of the Doghouse Fantasy Football Podcast. We're talking AFC and NFC North today. But first of all, we've got to take care of a little bit of news. And that news is big. Tyreek Hill, <clears throat> not suspended for his domestic violence accusations. Which comes as a bit of a surprise, but not totally expected him to get his four-game suspension at the very most, if at all. Uh, Further proving the conspiracy theory that the NFL is trying to appease the NFLPA and get the collective bargaining agreement taken care of this season so that they don't have any labor dispute going into next year. Not a very popular take, but at the same time, how far-fetched is it? We have Zeke Elliott, who didn't get anything for pushing the security guard. Now the security guard is filing suit a couple months later, which is complete bullshit. But what are you going to do? So, I wouldn't expect to see anything happen on the Tyreek front this season. Um, if anything comes down later in the year, probably only going to affect next year. Um, if anything comes out of here, they haven't proved anything. Kansas City Police Department hasn't proven anything. So, um, as shitty of a situation as it is, <clears throat> I just don't see anything happening. Um, there's been some discussion about where Tyreek Hill going in drafts this season. Um, I've officially put him as of right now as the fourth top uh, wide receiver uh, behind DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, and Michael Thomas. Fitting him in right in between Thomas and Julio Jones. Um, I like Thomas's volume still more than Tyreek Hill plus the ability to get TD, those short yardage TDs from uh, Drew Brees. Um, But you do have to admit that Tyreek Hill has a lot of upside and is involved on a lot of rushing plays. So it gives him a little bit more upside than, say, Julio Jones, who, yeah, does see volume and yardage, but has, for whatever reason, in Atlanta, not seen a lot of touchdowns. 
uh, that regression could positive regression I should say uh, should happen at some point it started a little bit last year but um, for now I'm gonna slot them in at four that would put them around the one two turn and you may see fit where you put him um, anywhere between three and five um, is completely fine um, but don't listen to anybody telling you that his ADP is going to fall somewhere in the third, the second round, mid-second round. It's just not going to fucking happen. Um, he's getting bumped way too quick. Um, and his ADP doesn't really reflect it too much on the surface. Now, <clears throat> as of right now, he's the 19th highest ranked receiver. Uh, pick 48. So he's now slipped into the fourth round, where he was sixth round last week. So I'm going to keep an eye on it. But like I said, no matter where his ADP ends up, expect him to be around that one-two turn. So now that we have that out of the way, uh, let's uh, let's get into a little bit of uh, ASC North and NFC North talk. <clears throat> We're going to start in Baltimore with the Ravens. Um. The Ravens have brought in new offensive coordinator Greg Roman, um, who's been around the league for a long time and has succeeded with quarterbacks who can move on their feet, which Lamar Jackson can, um, and get them into more better situations with uh, the passing game. Now, Lamar Jackson isn't the most accurate quarterback, um, but he does have upside so we do have to take a look at that. Now, Lamar Jackson is currently his QB 17, uh, 191st pick overall, so you're going to be able to get him real late in drafts. Um, anytime you get, you know, pick 120 and later, um, that would put him, that would put anybody in 11th round later. So <clears throat> even if you get a real high ADP, uh, like Jackson, for instance, 191. It fl- you, you can fluctuate it anywhere in there. It's all based on need, want, um, who's available at the time. So just kind of keep keep that number, keep the number 120 in mind as 10th round or later after that. So you're pretty much free to take wherever you want to. As long as it's not ridiculous, like you're going after wide receiver Chris Moore, something like that from the Ravens, um, I would tell you to slow your roll a little bit on that. Mark Ingram comes in. I should take the lead rollback, expecting uh, Ricky Justice Hill to back him up. Uh, Mark Ingram right now is going around pick 70 as the 26 running back off the board. That would put him squarely in the sixth round. I would expect him to probably go in the fifth, uh, late fourth, uh, depending on your draft, how quickly running backs go. Um, Pay attention to that. Now, Kenneth Dixon is still around. Mm, He's on the roster bubble as far as if he's going to make it or not. And the same would go for Gus Edwards. Now, Gus Edwards probably has more of a chance to make the team. Um, 
because he has proven that uh, he can carry the load uh, bar, uh, if any injury happens to Ingram. Um, so we may see Gus Edwards be the backup early, let Justice Hill develop, and have Justice Hill take over later in the year. But that's all going to get sorted out here in the preseason. So we just need to really take uh, uh, pay attention for those four weeks. Uh, offensive line isn't too bad. Uh, they returned pretty much everybody back. So um, it's going to be primarily the same offense. They're going to try and pass a little bit more uh, with their new targets that they've got in town. Now, Willie Sneed's about the only one that returns back uh, from last season. And right now they've got him kind of slated to start outside. Uh, kind of like his ex-receiver, um, based on the fact that he's the uh, longest-term veteran, where you'd have Marquise Hollywood, quote-unquote Hollywood Brown, uh, lining up opposite of him, and then probably moving into the slot if they went into an actual three-wide receiver set. So got to keep an eye on his uh, rookie mate, Miles Boykin, they have Jordan Leslie slated to start opposite of Willie Sneed in the three wide receiver set, but Boykin can take that over uh, at any point in time. He's way more talented, so I'm not really going to pay attention to Leslie. Uh, moving on to tight end, got Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst. Mark Andrews, uh, tight end 22, uh, real late ADP 206, so... If you want to take a flyer on him, I like Mark Andrews. Uh, Hayden Hurst, that we're not going to pay any attention to unless Andrews is hurt. Now, I should go back actually here to Marquise Brown because uh, he is wide receiver 63, pick 169, so another late pick. You get 10th round or later. I don't mind taking him as a flyer because he's, he's the one guy with the most upside in that wide receiver core. Moving on to Cincinnati, uh, they have a new coach in Zach Taylor, um, bringing Brian Callahan, who was quarterback coach of the Raiders last year. Um, they're going to try and run something similar to what the LA Rams um, have done, infusing a lot of run scheme, and then trying to make Andy Dalton a little bit more efficient. And Brian Callahan's actually had success with that with, with Carr last season and uh, when he was in Detroit with Matthew Stafford, who enjoyed a couple of his best years under Callahan. So, but we have issues along the offensive line. Um, we had Jonah, Jonah Williams got hurt. He's out for the year. Um, and then Clint Bowling retired. Uh, he was a long-tenured offensive lineman at guard, so they pretty much lost the left side of their line um, <laughs> just within about the last month. So uh, as much as I was on Joe Mixon after the Jonah Hills, or Jonah, <laughs> Jonah Hill, oh, my God. Jonah Hill, 
it's kind of funny because this line's going to be super bad this year. Bazinga. But uh, as much as I was up on Joe Mixon with Joan Williams draft, we now have to kind of temper our expectations on that. Um, and the expectations on Mixon has slowed. Uh, he's currently the 10th RB off the board, pick 15. Um, about right where he was going last season. So it's still not a bad a bad spot to take him. If I can get him, you know, mid-second round, later second round, I prefer that. Um, it's all going to depend on your draft, how quickly the running backs come off the board. Uh, coming back to Andy Dalton, let's not worry about it. Let him be. Nobody's touching him. He's going to sit on your waiver wire. Um, so if you need somebody for a bye week fill-in, he could be your guy in the right situation. Uh, with the defense being as bad as it is and the Bengals going to be having to throw. Uh, getting back to the running backs. So we got Gio Bernard's back as Mixon's primary backup. A lot of people are trying to jump on the Travion Williams train. I don't see it right now. Um, Gio's proven to be a capable backup when he's on the field. And I doubt the Bengals, for right now at least this year, are going to rely on a six-round pick to back up their main running back. Um, this is a little bit different than um, the situation last year with San Diego where Justin Jackson was pushed into the role. I like Justin Jackson as a guy to keep an eye on. Travion Williams is a guy to keep an eye on. But he's not going to be anything that you're going to want to draft now. Um outside of best ball, super late where you have the 20-plus rounds. So um, don't worry about that. Now, moving on to wide receiver, you have A.J. Green. Um, he's wide receiver 13, which means he's a wide receiver 2 this year. Uh, going around pick 32, which means he's a mid-third round pick. Uh that's a hell of, of a value for the quality receiver that A.J. Green is. Um, and even in an influx season where they're learning a new offense, um, the talent of Green outweighs that. And he is definitely somebody that should be on your radar, especially if you go two running backs um, in rounds one and two. Uh, I have no problem with A.J. Green being my first wide receiver. Tyler Boyd's going at wide receiver 29, pick 62, so he's in the sixth round. It's not a bad area for him. Uh, John Ross, uh, wide receiver 77. <laughs> Let's not worry about anything outside of Green and Boyd. How about that? Moving on to side end, we do have Tyler Eifert back, uh, taking his starter role back from C.J. Uzuma. Uh, Eifert's currently going tight end 26. Uh and he probably should be a little bit later uh, 
in these best ball drafts, but um, I'm not going to take a shot at Eifert. It's kind of the... can't think of the goddamn name Jordan Reed it's kind of like the Jordan Reed situation where you know the guy's not going to last a full season so why put your draft capital in it now if you're doing two tight end format where you need to draft three sure maybe take a shot on him but other than that staying away Ooh, now we're moving on to everybody's darling the Cleveland Browns um so Freddie Kitchen was elevated to the head coaching spot after being the offensive coordinator. And he brought in uh, Todd Bonkin, who was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, under Dirk Cutter. And Bonkin's uh, philosophy is a lot of passing, which we did see last year with James Winston. A lot of volume, uh, high-end games which has everybody on Baker Mayfield um, saying he's worthy of being QB5, uh, pick 65, which right now would be six, but expect Baker Mayfield home drafts. He's probably going to go no later than five, probably be in the fourth round. He's going to be probably right behind Patrick Mahomes, to be honest with you. Um, even though Aaron Rodgers is QB, I think Rodgers is QB2. Him or Luck is QB2 and then a QB3. He's going to be right up in there. I can actually pick it up here. Um, it's a little too high for me for a second round guy or second year guy. So just be careful with it. Um, I'm not saying that um, Baker Mayfield's not going to have a decent season. Um, I just don't think it's worthy enough to take him early. Um, If you're going to tell me he was going to go about 8 to 10, sure, I'll take a shot on Baker Mayfield. But the real guy that I want is running back Nick Chubb, who's RB12, ADP at 19, puts him in squarely in the second round. Chubb I'll draft about as high as 10. Um, depending on the draft, home draft, running backs go early again. So if I have to, if I'm at the end of the first round, I'll w- I will take him there if it looks like everybody in front of him is going. Because I want Chubb. I am not afraid of Kareem Hunt coming back in week nine. Um, I think it's a bullshit narrative uh, where everybody thinks that Hunt's just going to come in and take all these carries away from Nick Chubb. Don't believe the hype. Let somebody else draft him. They'll drop him after a few weeks because they're going to need help um, because they're obviously terrible at fantasy football. Duke Johnson would be the guy if he's still around um, by week one he's looking to get traded that's going to be your guy that's going to back up Chubb 
uh, for the foreseeable future, at least for the first half of the year. Uh, moving on to wide receiver, Odell Beckham. Currently wide receiver 5, pick 13. Uh, that's going to bump back a little bit with Tyreek Hill coming or not getting his suspension. The guy that I really want to take a look at and keep an eye on is Jarvis Landry, who could benefit from Beckham being in this offense and taking a little bit of pressure off of him. He's currently going as wide receiver 28, number 57. That would be in the fifth round, late fifth round. Landry would be a guy that I'd want to have as my second wide receiver if I could um, in this offense. Not Beckham Jr., who should have a really good year, but I don't know if he's worthy of being up that high. You could take him, and I wouldn't bat an eye at it. Um, but he's not really somebody that I want to target. Uh, Antonio Callaway is picking up some steam again this season. Uh, currently wide receiver 82. Real super late. If you want to take a flyer on him, sure. It's not going to cost you hardly anything at all. And with uh, what I believe to be a heavy play-action system off of the run. That could open up routes for Callaway down the field. Big play guy, you're never going to really be able to figure out when he's going to be able to hit. Um, I mean, I when I do start doing the DFS and stuff, sure, you know, there's going to be times where he's going to be included as a possibility. Um, based off of how the defense is handling wide receiver threes at that point. But if you're going to put him in, he'd better be a second flex, second or third flex, something like that. Not somebody that you're dependent upon, but if he hits, he hits. Uh, tight end, David Njoku, tight end nine. Pick 96, uh, that's the end of 8th round. It's not a bad spot for him if you're waiting on tight end. Moving on to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, we now have Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown gone, which is going to open up um, time for younger Steelers players to shine. Uh, outside of Ben Roethlisberger, who's old as shit, Currently going to QB 14, pick 154. He's going real late. Um, if you're waiting on quarterback, there is n absolutely no issue with going with Roethlisberger. But do have the understanding that he's getting old, but he does have a good offensive line in front of him. So should keep him healthy, upright, all season. Running back, we get James Conner. Now there's controversy again on whether or not James Conner is going to keep the role for the entire year. Um, he's currently RB9, pick 14. Uh, I will take Chubb in front of Conner, but I do still like Conner. 
the issue is whether or not to handcuff him with Jalen Samuels or Benny Snell. I have a theory that I will get to. But for right now, I'm going to tell you it's Benny Snell. RB71, 221. You'll get him super late. Nobody will be on him. Everybody will be on Jalen Samuels, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I think with Vance McDonald being unable to stay on the field his whole entire career, I think there's a possibility that if Vance McDonald goes down, yes, you will see Xavier Grimble, but Xavier Grimble can't really catch, can't really do anything. So I think what may happen is, and this is as long as they stay healthy, you got Connor, they'll take Samuels, who is actually a tight end, and they'll move him out to a tight end role so that they have a little bit more oomph at the position, somebody who can actually catch and do something with the ball. Jalen Samuels proved to be a very capable running back out of the backfield in the passing game. But the Steelers took Benny Snell for a reason in the fourth round. The third and fourth round were the running back rounds. So they grabbed him. They liked Benny Snell. That's the guy that's going to back up Connors um, this season. Samuels will be around. But... If Connor goes down, I think you see Samuels in the more of the third down back role and Snell in the uh, early down role running the rock. Moving on to wide receiver. Juju Smith-Schuster takes over as the main pass catcher from Antonio Brown. Uh, wide receiver six, pick 17. He's falling back a little bit more and more. People are falling off this train. Um, either because they just don't believe in the, in Roethlisberger being able to deliver what he has in the past or the fact that they just don't believe in Juju Smith-Schuster. The talent is there. If you're going to give me Smith-Schuster in the middle, sec- middle to late second round, which is kind of where he's starting to trend, I'll take it. If I'm one of the top four picks, I have my running back, and Schuster's there, I'll definitely think about it. It will depend, again, who's all there in front of them. If I have a higher-ranked wide receivers that happen to fall because they're taking a lot of running backs, it's all going to be dependent. You've got to keep that flow in there. Um, the real talk has been whether or not James Washington or Dante Moncrief is going to be the second uh, wide receiver on this team. I'm gonna hook my I'm gonna hook my card to James Washington, who is currently wide receiver forty eight, um, going right in the tenth round right now. Um, Moncrief showed flashes early with Andrew Luck before the injury, um, but has never really recaptured anything of what he used to be. Now 
you get him as a late pick. Okay, you can take a shot. He'd be my one of my first cuttables. Um, wide receiver, 58. Uh, pick 147. So, I mean, it's not like you're really going to have to pay for him. Um, I have in the article, I'm keeping track of Deontay Johnson, um, who could move into a wide receiver three role if either Washington or Moncrief go down. So... That's our NFC. That's our AFC North. Um, a lot of players to like in the in that division. Um, unlike a lot of divisions, so probably the one offense that I'm really not that high on outside of the running back is going to be Baltimore. Um, Cincinnati has some val- has has really good value in there. Just no quarterback. Uh, Baltimore has quarterback, but no real value, and it's wide receiver. You know, nothing that you really, really interests you in their wide receivers and really their tight ends. Like I said, most of those guys you're going to take late at the very earliest um, this season. Moving on to the NFC North here, we're going to start with not my Chicago Bears. But a good place to go for uh, fantasy value. Uh, they're going to run. They're going to run the same offense as they did last year, trying to reenact the Kansas City model, um, which makes Mitch Trubisky a very good value. QB twenty, uh, pick one ninety nine. So he's going to go super late in drafts. Um, outside of like say where I'm at, north of Chicago, he'll. He'll go a bit higher, but and somebody may even jump the gun and put him, you know, up by Baker, where Baker Mayfield is, and take him up in the sixth round somewhere in there, which is you know ungodly. If you get him super late, especially two QB leagues, uh, super flex, that's great. Um, he's going to have his ups and downs again, but he should be able to build off of what they had last year. Um, Running back is kind of where I've been looking uh, with David Montgomery. Currently RB23, which makes him an RB2. Uh, but you're getting him in the fifth round right now. He's probably going to go... If I was going to say today, he would actually probably go at the beginning of the fifth round, if not the end of the fourth round. Um by the end of draft season, he'll probably be a solid mid-fourth round pick, um, which I'm okay with, because I think a lot of people are going to still try and jump on the Tariq Cohen train, which I think is a real big mistake, um, especially with a guy like David Montgomery, who's capable of not only running, but uh, catching the ball. Um, he can block in the passing game as well. Uh, Montgomery's direct backup will be Mike Davis. Um, so if you do go the Montgomery route, you don't have to worry about getting Montgomery and Cohen. You're either doing Montgomery or Cohen. Now, if you get Montgomery, you're going Montgomery and Davis. Davis you're going to get for virtually nothing uh, in your drafts. So 
Uh, wide receiver. Got Allen Robinson going wide receiver 27, which makes him a wide receiver 3. Um, pick number 56, so he's going 5th round as well. Um, don't know if he actually sticks around in the 5th round. I think he might actually drop back a little bit into the 6th round. But as far as, I mean, you're getting, fifth round, you're getting into kind of that Alshon Jeffrey area. So if you're getting a top-end wide receiver in a good offense, uh, fifth round, sure, absolutely. I'm okay with it. Anthony Miller, everybody's darling last year. Uh, it's going to be in the slot. He's going off as a wide receiver, 47, pick 108. So, you know, you're looking, you're looking about ninth, tenth round. Uh, it's a pretty safe area to take him, and he's got a really good connection with Trubisky. Uh, Miller had, I don't have his number offhand, I think he had like eight or nine touchdowns last year, uh, which kind of surprised me, but um, that's definitely that's definitely Trubisky's boo right there as far as the wide receivers are concerned. Um, we have Taylor Gabriel and Riley Ridley kind of finishing off their wide receivers. Um, Gabriel's in a spot opposite Robinson right now. Um, but Riley Ridley is talented enough to overtake Taylor Gabriel in that spot. And they spent a fourth-round pick on him. They really liked him. Now, that this is Calvin Ridley's uh, little brother, and I say little in air quotes because actually wide, Riley is bigger than Calvin so he can play outside and he can play inside but I think Miller is firmly secured that slot spot so I would expect Ridley if he does take a starting position he's either going to start opposite of Robinson or if Robinson's hurt he'd be opposite of Gabriel um, tight end getting Trey Burton tight end 13 uh, pick 146. Um, if I don't have any other piece of this offense outside of, say, Mitch Trubisky, I will take a shot at Burton super late. Um, I think he rebounds from all the hype from last season. And um, he, he's the Kelsey in this offense. No, he's not as good as Travis Kelsey, but um, Trubisky has has looked his way in the past, and I believe will continue to build upon that relationship this season. Uh, moving on to Detroit Lions, you have uh, Daryl Bevel coming in as offensive coordinator, replacing Jim Bob Cuter. Uh, Bevel is very run-heavy, so this is going to be a run-heavy offense. So as far as Matthew Stafford is concerned, uh, he's QB 24. Um, outside of a, an actual 2QB league where you need a backup for the two, that's the only time I'm going to look at Stafford. I don't even know if I'm going to look at him in super flex leagues. Um because I just don't see anything really in there 
um, last year with the back. He really struggled. Um, but, he, I mean, he was struggling before he ever had that back injury and wasn't really putting up the fantasy numbers that we really needed uh, to succeed last year. So where I'm looking is at running back. You have Kerryon Johnson. He's going as uh, RB18, pick 39. So fourth-round pick. He will be a third-round pick, probably about the end of the third round. Um, he's one of those guys that should go actually right after Henry um, in that round. Be about Henry... Freeman, I think, starts sneaking up. Devonta Freeman starts sneaking up somewhere closer to the beginning of the third round where he's usually taken. Uh, plus, they've been building hype on him. Uh, Henry will probably slip up towards the front. Josh Jacobs is slipping up towards that 2-3 that turn. So, got Marlon Mack in there. And then probably carry on. So, Anywhere from probably mid third, mid to late third, somewhere in there. That's probably where he's going to end up. Uh, his direct backup will be C.J. Anderson. Uh, I would encourage you to grab him, um, as he'll be an afterthought. Nobody in your draft is going to pick up C.J. Anderson, so you'll be able to give him dirt cheap. Handcuff that position, though, uh, with a run-heavy offense. Um, they... The offensive line isn't horrendous, plus you add in the fact that um, they had a TJ Hawkinson at tight end, and he's a very capable blocker, and you could be seeing uh, more jumbo sets with the tight ends coming in. Um, Jesse James, um, maybe Logan Thomas coming in, running two tight end, and... Uh, just kind of trying to smash that ball down the field. Now, I'm not high on Stafford, which means I'm not as high on the wide receivers. Kenny Galladay uh, is wide receiver 19, 41 overall. That is way too high for me. Um, that's beginning of fourth round, mid-fourth round. Um, Anybody who's anybody should know that I love Kenny Galladay to death. Um, but with the change in the offensive scheme, I'm not going to take a shot on a wide receiver from Detroit that early in a draft. Um, I'd rather take Marvin Jones, wide receiver 37, pick 79, um, back in the seventh round. Um, in most drafts, he probably won't go until like the eighth or ninth. He's going to just keep sliding. Uh, somewhere in that pocket. I'd rather take a shot on Jones. You know, if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. I, I can drop him. Um, but I just don't see the value in taking Galladay that early, even with what I believe in him. Um, it's just way too high. Uh, like I mentioned, TJ Hawkinson uh, starting to be one of the trendier tight end picks. Rookie coming out of Iowa, tight end 14. Um, he's going late. So, if you want to take him, I don't have, I don't, I don't hate it. 
but at the same time, I'm probably not going to take him that high. Or, I'm, take him that high. I'm not as high on him as I am on a lot of other tight ends that should be ahead of him. So, um, moving on to the Green Bay Packers. You have new head coach Matt LaFleur coming in. They're going to try and still a little bit more running game in here and go off play action passing. Um, LaFleur has also said he wants to take some of the audible calls away from Aaron Rodgers, at least at first, uh, which Rodgers has kind of gotten on his ass about publicly, which is Aaron Rodgers' thing, good or bad. Um, so, with that in mind, Aaron Rodgers going as QB, he's actually going as QB4, pick 49, so you're looking at right at a 4-5 turn. Um, I'm going to shy away from, I would shy away from anyways, this is why you don't take your quarterbacks highly. Um, but I do have interest in Aaron Jones, uh, his running back, and should get the starting job right out the gate. Uh, currently RB14, pick 31, going into beginning, so it's beginning of third, mid-third, I would suspect um, he's going to go somewhere on the positive side of the 2-3 turn, because uh, people are going to jump on his upside, and it doesn't matter if that's a Wisconsin draft or not. But if you do actually go and get him, um, go ahead and handcuff him with Jamal Williams, who will be his direct backup, um, RB61. Nobody's drafting him. Um, there's been some love for uh, Dexter Williams, the rookie. Um, he's nothing more right now as a complimentary back. He only has value if Jamal Williams ends up taking the starting role because Aaron Jones is injured. So that's kind of in my write-up I have it. I have it based on how their depth chart uh, unfolds. So, like I said, <laughs> Williams, only if Williams is a starter, if that makes sense. I know, I'm just messing with everybody. Uh, wide receiver, uh, Devontae Adams, wide receiver two, pick six. Um, you can pick Devontae Adams anywhere in the first round as long as he doesn't come before DeAndre Hopkins, it's perfectly fine. So six has generally been right about where he's at. Now he has moved back, I believe, this last week because everybody keeps jumping on uh, David Johnson running back for Arizona and pushing him ahead of DeAndre Hopkins and Adams, which is wrong. Uh, there's confusion whether or not Geronimo Allison or uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going to end up being the wide receiver two in Green Bay. As long as Geronimo Allison is on the field, he is the wide receiver two. Um, and I would suspect that MVS would take the slot role 
in this offense. He's not your t prototypical slot guy, but with his length and his speed, um, Aaron Rodgers at times has chosen to trust him in that role or on the field and throw to him. So, unless they really build up Jake Kumaro, because for whatever reason he's Aaron Rodgers' uh, bro, I would expect MVS to only be on the field um, in three wide receiver sets or, you know, four wide. Um, Allison, you get real cheap. He's wide receiver 44, 99, pick 99. MVS, wide receiver 50, 111. And Allison is actually held to ADP, a better AD, uh, higher ADP than uh, MVS has. So I think everybody's trending towards Allison versus MVS. Um, if you want to go MVS over Allison, I don't blame you. Because um, MVS does have that at great speed, but um, my thoughts is if Allison is there, um, I'm going to take him before I take MVS. Uh, tight end, you got Jimmy Graham. Meh. Meh. Two, two tight end league only. Only. Um, we get into the Minnesota Vikings here. Um, Kevin Stefanski is returning as offensive coordinator after John DeFilippo was uh, fired mid-season last year. Um, but this is... But they... The, the Vikings brought in Gary Kubiak as assistant head coach and advisor for the offense, which means that they're going to run a Gary Kubiak offense, which is more ground and pound uh, play-action style. So... The reason why you're seeing Kirk Cousins go as a QB 18. Um, late in drafts. Is. Because people are identifying that this is going to be a running offense. But they don't see that Kirk Cousins actually has value. Kirk Cousins should, should end up being no worse than a QB 12. So if you're going to tell me that I'm going to get Kirk Cousins in one of the light last three rounds of my draft I'll I'll wait and I'll take Kirk Cousins as long as I don't have Dalvin Cook I may even just say that screw it if I have Dalvin Cook um, Dalvin Cook uh, is going as the RB11 right now pick 18 um, I'll take Dalvin Cook as early as the early uh, third early second round um, this is a good system with Kubiak to get his running back um, a lot of people will point to Dalvin Cook and say well he's always injured he's always injured okay well you know then I'm going to handcuff uh, Alexander Madison late in my draft running back 59 nobody's taking him nobody in your draft is going to know who he is Unless you have a Vikings fan in there. In which case, maybe you have to draft him a little bit higher. 
but you never have to go anything higher in the tenth round. And if you in those rounds, all I'm looking at is backups, anyways. Um, so, if I can, I want to get a piece of this backfield. If I don't have Delvin Cook, if Madison's sitting there, and all I have left to draft is my, you know, I got one pick. And then I need to pick for my kicker and my defense. I'll take a shot at Madison at that spot too. Just in case Delacroix does go down. Then I've got the spot secured. Wide receivers, you got Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. Thielen's still going before Diggs. Uh, wide receiver 11 versus wide receiver 14. That's uh, pick 28 versus pick 33. So they're both third rounders this year. Um... I'm still higher on Diggs than Thielen, as I always been. Uh, in this offense, they're going to run more uh, two wide receiver sets, which puts Thielen on the outside against better corners, which he's has not proven to be able to beat. So um, Diggs is usually getting top coverage, and he's producing. So I will always take the guy who produces versus the guy who has issues. Um, I've included Laquan Lacan Treadwell just in case there's uh, any injury. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a joke, too, because Laquan Treadwell is actually wide receiver 136, um, pick 442. So, like, literally, don't just, you know, nah. No, don't don't worry about him. Um, I'm going to hold off on the tight ends here. Because um, with the Vikings bringing in Irv Smith Jr. from the draft, that's going to cut in a little bit on Kyle Rudolph. No matter if Kyle Rudolph signed that extension or not, it's going to cut into his workload. And that's not really something that I want to do is split time with my tight ends. So... Um, yeah, that's a not way for me. So, all right, there we go. We made it through the AFC and NFC North. Um, Friday, we will have the AFC and NFC South. I'm currently working on that, making good progress on it. So we will have that out on time on Friday. Um, episode 2 and Episode 3, it's going to be part of the double header once I finish this pod. I'm going to be moving on to uh, the next one, which will be a little bit more strategy, a little bit more fun, a little bit more ranting. Um, just probably not as long as this one, so probably maybe like a half hour, 40-minute um, pod. Um, so, yeah. Uh, if you stumble across this podcast, you can get a hold of me on Twitter at RoyDog underscore 13. That's R-O-Y-D-A-W-G underscore one three um thanks for tuning in everybody and uh yeah see you guys in a couple of minutes if you're doing the back to backers peace